you guys doing today? Good. Good. If you don't know me, my name is Jake, um, and I'll be speaking to you today, and I'm really excited to do that. And first off, I just want to thank all of you guys. Thank Pastor Dan for uh, giving me this opportunity to just, not just do this, but to um, serve you guys and to love you guys well and to just be a part of a church and the community that I live in and just, um, yeah, just try to be, bring God's kingdom here um, and just grow in him every day and, and become family with you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so this morning I'm going to be continuing the Genesis series. Um, if you've been following along in the booklet, you've read Genesis 10 and 11 this week. And so we're going to be kind of camping out in the Tower of Babel today, which is in 11 verses 1 through 9. And um, just so you guys kind of know a little bit about me, I am a, I'm a teacher. So I'm not going to get bogged down in all the details today. Okay, I won't, I promise. But I am a teacher. So I want to show you the beauty that is in this story. And I'm going to have to lay a little bit of foundation and groundwork to kind of get us where we're going. So be patient with me. I won't take long. I'll have us out of here by 1 o'clock. Okay? So, um, no, it won't be that long. But, um, yeah, I'm just super excited. I'm going to start with a little bit of prayer. Okay? Yeah, so, Father, we need your presence this morning. Yeah, we're committed to following you, to speaking when you speak, and to, to sit when you sit, to wait when you wait. And so I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come, and you would be gentle, and you would release truth to us. Yeah, and I just ask for your peace, Father. I need your peace this morning. I need your peace. Amen. Amen. Cool, cool. So, what we're going to be speaking, my opening question this morning for you guys is, whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? And um, I guess to define kingdom for you really quick so you understand where I'm going this morning with this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak about kingdom as a space where somebody has rule and reign. So if I'm talking about my kingdom... What I'm talking about is I've created a space where I have rule and reign. If I'm talking about God's kingdom, I'm talking about a space where God has rule and reign. If I ask you what your kingdom is or where you begin to build your own kingdom, I'm asking you what spaces in your life have you taken authority in your ruling and your reigning. And so what I want you guys to understand is I'm going to present like areas of my life that I've struggled building my own kingdom and what we want to get to is like, where is God building his kingdom? And he wants you to be involved with that. And how, where are you building your kingdom? And where does he want to bring you into his? Okay. And so I will use that language a lot, but that's where I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Like, like the spaces in your life. And, and I've had multiple of them. I've had big kingdoms and little kingdoms. Um, but all of them are places that I've tried to gain control so that I could be in charge and I could feel safe. Okay. We okay with that? Perfect. <clears throat> so, in this question, um, whose kingdom are you building? I've had two like really important seasons of my life where I've kind of, looking back, I can see um, that I was building a kingdom or that I, uh, the Lord brought me and allowed me to see something. And so I want to tell you two quick stories 
but it's important to where we're going. So, first one. I was in high school, a freshman, okay? And I was on a wrestling team that was incredibly gifted, incredibly talented. Uh, we had of 14 weights, um, when we went to the state tournament, we had eight kids make the state finals, and, and that team won a state title. And just to give you a little preview of how, how bad of a wrestler I was at the time, um, our 103-pounder was in the state finals. We had two kids at 112 pounds in the state finals. 119 state finals, 125 state finals, 130 was me, and I lost both my matches at the state tournament. Um, I wasn't great, but I got to see what greatness was in terms of, of wrestling at the time. And so, one day, I was sitting against the wall after practice, and I was sitting next to one of the seniors, his name was Nick, and we were looking across the room, and on the far side of the wall, there's these two big boards. Um, one of them says state champions, one of them says state runner-ups, and they have names going back all the way to probably the early 50s, um, people in our community that have won state titles and, and state runner-up. And so we were sitting there, and I didn't talk a lot to the seniors, you know, you kind of find your place, and uh, I didn't say much to them, and so he started to talk and brought me into the conversation, and it literally changed my mindset. And here's what he said. He said, when they put my name up there, I want it to be Nicholas. And I was like, is he talking to me? <laughs> like, uh, so I'm sitting there, you know, awkward, and like, kind of like looking at him, and he's like, looks at me and he's like, when they put my name up there, I want it to be Nicholas. And I realized what he was saying is that like his goal was to win a state title and that when they wrote his name on that board and he, and he joined all those other names, he wanted it to be his full name, Nicholas. Not Nick, Nicholas. And like in that moment, I don't remember what our conversation continued on to. I don't remember what else we talked about or what I did that day. But in that moment, I had a realization that completely shifted my life. And it was that, oh, if he thinks his name can be on that board, I think my name can be on that board. And from that day on, I promise you, everything in my life shifted to me wanting to make a name for myself in the sport of wrestling. I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to have a a legacy. If I won a state title, I would have done something that nobody could ever take from me. And so it slowly started to, I didn't know how to be a state champion, but I started to try and see people doing certain things, so I did what they did. And um, yeah, my whole high school, like I did other sports and I did other things and I was involved in other areas, but my, my idol in life was a state title. So when I was a senior, I accomplished that title and um, I thought, now I need to be a national champion and I need to go wrestle in college, and so I, I went off to do that. And um, I didn't enjoy wrestling in college. And one of the things that really got me, that disturbed me, is <laughs> in the small town, I could, I could make a name for myself really easily. But when I got into the college room, everybody was a state champion. <laughs> My partner that I drilled with every day had won four state titles. No one was there to build my kingdom. And see, in high school, I could control who I hung out with. I could bring people in that spoke the same language that I spoke, that had the same desires that I had, that wanted the same thing. And I was mean and manipulative. Like, I didn't ultimately care about them. I, didn't, I wasn't there for our team to win anything. I was there for me. And I built the kingdom accordingly. 
So, um, one day, I was driving, and I was in Gunnison, Colorado, where I was at school, and somebody cut me off, and it wasn't even, like, when I say cut me off, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was just my pride. But it made me really mad. And I thought in that moment, like, my, my spirit got angry, and I thought, these people need to pull over so I can get out and show them who's boss. Okay? And um, <laughs> that's the nice way of it. Okay? And um, I feel like the Lord's mercy in that moment showed me myself. It's like I stepped back and I saw me, and it scared the crap out of me. I had so much hatred and anger inside of my heart that I was like, oh, these people cut me off. I'm going to show them. It's like, what, you're going to beat somebody up because they pulled over in front of you and didn't use their blinker? And um, it scared me so bad. And here's the irony of it. I had been for like five years working so hard to make a name for myself that in this moment, I didn't even know who I was. <laughs> scared me. Scared me. So I did the only thing that I knew how to do, and that was run away. So I went back to Idaho, and um, I stopped wrestling and was in about a six-year kind of identity crisis thing where I was, like, healing because it was like, okay, I'm, I'm learning to have life outside of wrestling, but I also have no clue who I am. So the Lord started speaking to me about ministry, and um, I started to kind of throw myself more and more into, into my faith and schooling and doing what I felt like his plan was for my life. So that was a six-year period. Next story that's important. Um, after that six-year period, Haley and I had gotten married, and we moved to Boise. And um, I think, like, if you look at my life, it wouldn't look like it was the lowest point, maybe. But I think I was pretty low at this point in my life because I felt like I just didn't have purpose. Like, I felt like there was a call on my life, but I didn't know how to be who God had called me to be. And so one day I was laying on the floor in our apartment. We had this beautiful, like, open sliding doors and glass, and it overlooked the north end of Boise, and it was beautiful. And I was laying on my side, kind of the fetal position on the floor. I was taking a spiritual formation class at the time, had a blanket over myself, and I was like, Lord, I have to hear your voice today. If I don't hear your voice in my life, I have no clue what to do with myself. Like, I, I, can't, I can't fake it, and I just can't create anything that's good enough. Like, I just can't. Um, and so the Lord is good and he is gentle and he began to show me. So this is what I saw. In my mind's eye, um, I was overlooking a bay and it's very similar to, to the bay that we have here. And there was a little town right there, a little city. And the Lord took me down amongst the buildings in the city and he began to show me, like, this is religion. Each one of these buildings represents some religion that you've built up in your life. Some of it you have made with your own hands. Some of it you've learned in church. Some of it has been passed down to you generationally. But this is religion. This is, this is your kingdom that you're building right here. And it, it hurt my heart. <laughs> it was convicting. And so my perspective shifted. I saw the water. The water raised up. A big tsunami came over, and it hit the city. And I thought it was just going to destroy it, and it didn't. It kind of settled. There was water. Everything was level, but I could see the tops of these buildings. So the Lord took me down underneath the water to the buildings, down to the foundation. And I saw the water penetrating the foundations. And as each foundation began to, like, crumble and fall apart, the building just disappeared. And some were going quickly, some were going really slow. Some hadn't really started. 
But what he said is he's like, I want my spirit to destroy the religion in your life. And that kind of scared me. Because <laughs> I'd spent a lot of time building up with my hands what I thought religion was. Like, I came from a church where we behaved first. I looked good. I wore the tie. You should see my tie collection. <laughs> I haven't given any of them away. Haley knows they take up a big section in our closet. I have a tie collection, okay? Um, but I did everything to look the part and kind of fake my way through. And, like, I could come on ch to church on Sunday, and people would think I was a great... Christian, and then I was just a selfish turd. <laughs> yeah. And so what happened is after I saw these buildings falling, the Lord took me back up to where I could see the bay, and it was bigger. The city was gone. And he said, I want to make a port where that city used to be in your heart. I want to make a port where my spirit brings things in and takes things out, where I have control, where I have rule and reign, and not you. And similar to that day when I was looking at the board and I was like, I want to make a name for myself. Like, my thinking, my mindset completely changed. And I was like, ah, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Jesus is king. And like, I want to live a life in such a way and I want to have the mindset in such a way that like, I am, I am a conduit, like Chris said, like I am an open door. My life is completely just this open port, this bay where his spirit comes in, it rules, it reigns, it brings in what he wants to bring in, it takes out what he wants to take out, and I don't have these buildings that look like me and represent me and make a name for me, but it's him, it's him. <clears throat> I'm going to give you like 30 seconds here, close your eyes and think, and what I want you to do is try to find the tension in your own life between God's kingdom, God's rule and reign, and an area where you are building your own kingdom. So just take a few seconds here, see if you can connect. <clears throat> I think that connecting to this tension is important because I think sometimes we see that there's a tension between God's kingdom and like our financial freedom or there's a tension between God's kingdom and like a promotion for us at work or finding a spouse or our family legacy it can be good things but if there's a tension there where what you're doing is fighting what he's doing I want you to identify that you don't have to make a change right now today, but find the tension, sit in the tension, sit in the discomfort, okay? And the reason that this is important, as we'll see here with the story of Babel, is what we do is we, when we build our own kingdom, we strive and we work to build from the ground up. And what God does is his kingdom goes from heaven to earth. It's different. It's different, and trust me, I know I've spent a lot of time in this area working and striving to make a name for myself. And so what we're going to do is when we get into to Babel here, what we're going to see is that 
Babel is this beautiful image of God wanting to release his kingdom down to earth instead of man building it. And in this, we're going to see like his plan of salvation in the story of Babel. It's there, it's beautiful, it's so, so good. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read through it, all nine verses, and then we'll come back and highlight some stuff and talk about some things. Are we good? Everybody comfortable? Perfect. So verse one. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. Sorry, From there the Lord scattered them all over the face of the whole earth. So, if your Bible's like mine, this, this chapter starts with the title, Tower of Babel. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about the tower real quick, but understand there was a city here. There were people. It wasn't just a tower. Like, it is a city with a tower in the middle of it. And so, this tower, um, in terms of structure, um, could be understood as what they would, like, uh, in commentaries and theologians and stuff, would call it like a temple pyramid or a, a step pyramid. Okay? And at the top of it, they would assume okay, that there would be some kind of a shrine, shrine dedicated to a deity. Okay? And the purpose for this would be to replace a mountain. Okay? So they had settled in a plain. There are no mountains there. And during their time, they saw mountains as like these pillars to the sky. Okay? And on the tip of the mountains, the top of the mountains, they would think of that as a place where heaven and earth met a meeting place between heaven and earth. So they build this temple tower, right? Tower of Babel. And the idea is that the, the top of it here is this meeting place between heaven and earth, and it is dedicated to their deity, or in this case, making a name for themselves. Okay? <clears throat> and what's important about this temple tower to understand this step pyramid in, inside of Babel is like, it represents, again with this story, what I've shared with you, man's efforts to build from earth to heaven versus God's kingdom which comes from heaven to earth, okay? So, we serve a God who wants heaven to invade earth. We serve a God who wants heaven to invade earth. And we see that in Matthew 6:10. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. And if you want to see like somebody live from heaven to earth, Jesus is the, just look at anything Jesus does. He lives from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. And so what he does is, is, is they're asking him like, how do you pray? Teach us to pray. There's this one, there's this one line here in Matthew 6, 10 that says, Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So understand the contrast again. God's kingdom our kingdom. So what I love is in verse 5. 
here's what happens. And, and the other day when I was reading this, I just got so hung up on this, and it was just funny to me. It, I laughed for quite a while just because I was like, oh, Lord, you're so good. You're so good. But in the first four verses, there's these people. They're moving. There's a plane. They settle there. They build a tower. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're going from earth to heaven. And then it says this, verse 5, but the Lord came down. This is the, the story of the Bible right there. But the Lord came down. While they're trying to build this meeting place between earth and heaven and they're striving and trying to make a name for themselves, the Lord comes down. You can look at Eden. The Lord came down. Let's put his presence in a garden. You can look at the temple. Even after we had sinned and fallen away and, and, and pride had entered and just corruption, and the Lord's like, no, here's a way. Here's a way that you can live so that my presence can come down and be among you. And then Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God takes his son and wraps him up in a little package that looks like a baby. It is a baby, and it sends it, and he can't take care of himself. And he came to earth and made a way for God to dwell among us. In that sentence right there, but the Lord came down. It's so beautiful. In the stories that I shared of my life, I was doing this so much that I just failed to recognize every time the Lord came down. So the next part here that's interesting to me, and I've had a, I've had a struggle with this one ever since I was uh, little in Sunday school, and we'd talk about Babel, and basically we'd read through it and be like, that's why people speak other languages, and that's why we're all different, and then you get your candy and go home. Um, and I, I was just like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I don't understand it. And what I didn't understand, okay, verse 8, let me read it for you. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. So what happened here is the Lord comes down, sees what they're building, says, that, wow, like the unity here or what they're doing, nothing is impossible for them, so I'm going to confuse their language, and I'm going to scatter them over all the earth. And to be honest with you, my human mind doesn't like that. Because I'm like, well, God, don't you, like, want unity? And, like, isn't, like, people working together good? And I haven't known how to handle that for a long time. So, in preparing for this, I spent a lot of time in this section and um, had to ask the Lord some hard questions. It was like, why would you scatter people? Why would you change language when it seems like when we speak the same language, so much can be done. I did that in wrestling, right? I got people around me who spoke the same language I spoke so that I could accomplish my goals. Like, it seems like this is why, why would you send us over all the earth if unity is like your heart? And the Lord took me to Matthew 28. I'm sure you guys know this one. Verse 18, 19, and 20, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing them in whose name? The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When I read this with the perspective of this Tower of Babel situation, I was just so undone by his goodness because it's like, wow, 
Lord, your heart is the whole world. Your heart is the whole world, not this little kingdom that I build that looks like me, but your heart is the whole world. And you send them out, not in their own names, but you send them out to represent you, to be a royal priesthood, to be his representation on earth, to host his presence, to carry his name, image, and likeness. So then the next part of this, the language part, I was like, okay, I get the scattering part, but what about language? I'm still hung up here. I don't understand this. So what the Lord did next is he took me to Acts chapter 2. Okay? I'm going to buzz through this one because I said I wasn't going to get hung up in the details. So I'm, just give me a second to lay a little bit more foundation here. So I'm going to read through this and point the important parts out here, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were to, all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven. He comes down. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages. Not one, not a tongue or a language. It's plural. Other tongues, other languages. And as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. It's good. I can't make this stuff up. It's his story. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongue? I might mess some of these up, but here they are. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Here's what happens next. Listen, listen. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own. When God comes down and he puts his spirit inside of us, even something like language that can cause huge divisions when his spirit is inside of us we speak the wonders of God something is dividing his language look in the US we speak the same language English right but if you're a Democrat or you're Republican bam division but the spirit of God can bridge something like that because we speak the wonders of who he is we speak his praise. We speak his goodness. And so like when I look back at Babel, I'm, I'm wrecked because it's like, wow, God, like you're right. My human nature is, is to build a place that is protected. I have a city. Everybody speaks and looks like me. Now I have this temple that like I, you know, everybody knows me and I look good. Everybody's like, oh, hey, Jake, you're the whatever. Fill in the blank. And it represents me. But his heart is like, no, I want the whole world to know me. And I don't care about the divisions or the differences in your life, the things that would divide you. I want to put my spirit inside of you so that you build my kingdom and you speak the wonders of who he is. It's so good. It's so good. So the next thing I do is, as I'm reading through Genesis 11 here, I'm in, I'm in Babel and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, Jesus, where are you at? Where are you at? Um... And here's where Jesus is. This is important. 
I'm bringing the plane down now, so stay with me. Stay with me, stay with me. In verse 3, chapter 11, verse 3, it says this. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Then it says this. They used brick instead of stone. Brick instead of stone. In the Bible, stone is a representation of Jesus and God's kingdom. Okay, I have a few things that I want to show you or just say out real quick so that you understand where I'm coming from with this. I'll be quick with it. In Numbers 20, Moses and the Israelites are in the desert. They're thirsty. He strikes a rock. Water comes out of it. Okay? In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul refers back to that situation and refers to that rock as a spiritual rock and refers to it as Christ himself. Okay? That's in 1 Corinthians 10.4. You can look it up. In Exodus 20, the Lord speaks to Moses about building an altar. And he tells him, when you make an altar, make it out of earth, but do not use cut stones because you'll defile it. I know that if I was making an altar and I started to put the stones in, I would probably put some decorations and like make it really good looking. And then at the end, I'd put my name you know, down on it. Like Jake was here. But he says, don't, don't use cut stones because you will defile it. Just make it out of earth. In Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, okay? And he tells all of his people there that you need to tell me my dream and you need to interpret my dream or I'm going to kill you, okay? No one can do this, obviously. So Daniel prays to the Lord. The Lord shows him the dream, gives him the interpretation. Here's the dream. Nebuchadnezzar saw a statue made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and a mixture of iron and clay. Then he saw a rock, a stone being cut out, but not by human hands. That stone struck the base of the statue. It fell over and became like chaff, and the wind blew it away. The interpretation that he gave Nebuchadnezzar is he's like, you've seen into the future, you've seen your kingdom and the kingdoms that will follow you. And one day, there is going to be a kingdom that was made not by human hands, okay? And it is going to, here's what he says, it is going to, that stone is going to become a mountain. Again, I can't make this stuff up. A meeting place between heaven and earth, and it's going to fill the whole world. It's good, I'm telling you, it's good. So, I was getting wrecked by this, and the Lord said, okay, now, 1 Peter 2. So, I'm bringing it down. We're almost on tarmac here, so again, please be patient. Verses 4 through 10, 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, he's going to quote like three places in Scripture now. Don't quote me on this, but I think Deuteronomy, maybe Psalm and Isaiah. It says this, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 
But now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, here's another quote of scripture, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And, another part of scripture, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Verse 9 here. This is good. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God, are the people of God, excuse me. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What I love about this is the contrast. Here is Babel. Here's what we do in our own sin and humanity. Earth to heaven. But God wants heaven to invade earth. He wants to build us into a spiritual house because you are a chosen people in a royal priesthood. He wants to put his spirit inside you and you, us, be the dwelling place of God, a temple. We serve a God who wants to build you into a spiritual house. I put you there specifically, not, I didn't want to say us right now, I'm talking to you, my challenge is to you. You serve a God who wants to build you into a spiritual house. In this, I'm reminded of uh, Ephesians 2, and it says that members, we're all members of his household that were built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. When we're building God's kingdom, keep this in mind, it's not about you. Like there's healing for you, there's salvation for you, there's redemption for you, but it's about Jesus. Jesus is king. So when we're building God's kingdom, everything that you do, don't measure it to your peers. Don't measure it based on yourself or your past. Your past doesn't matter. Measure it to him. He is the cornerstone. Jesus is king. What you do and what you build and how you live, measure it only to him. Don't compare. Don't compete with people. Measure it with the cornerstone because he is the one that has been cut not of human hands. My last point here is we are a spiritual house that bears the name and image of God. That's who we are. That's who we are created to be. So my challenge for you today when you leave here is build God's kingdom. Build his kingdom. I would encourage you as we finish with a worship song, if worship can come up, as we finish, um, let the Holy Spirit show you one area in your life that the Lord wants to invade with his kingdom. Where are you building? Where are you doing things with your hands, making things that look like you and feel like you, sound like you, make you feel safe and protected? What is one area? I'm not asking for everything right now. Just one area that the Lord wants to invade with his presence and wants to turn upside down and allow his kingdom to go through you and invade this earth so that people would know his goodness, so they would know his love, that they would encounter redemption. Let's stand real quick. I'll pray and then I'll be done. Yeah, Jesus, I just ask as we finish and we just turn our hearts towards you and, and worship here, 
that you would speak and you would minister to our hearts. Again, Lord, I ask that you would be completely gentle. And that as your spirit speaks, it would be a revelation of your love and a revelation of your mercy. So we just say yes to you right now. We say yes to your voice, your beautiful voice, the whisper of your spirit. We say yes to your kingdom's reign in North Bay. We say yes to your kingdom's reign in Birch Bay. We say yes to your kingdom's reign in Whatcom County. Father, we ask for an open heaven over us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.